Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal. Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 198. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. This is your host, Richard Ryerson. As always, thank you so much for tuning into the show. I appreciate your support and uh, listening. And this is the place where you can hear top leadership experts. We hear their stories, their philosophies. It's the show is for you to help all of us become the leaders we were called to be because whether we know it or not or whether we like it or not, we are all going to be called to leadership regardless if we have the title or not. And so it's in our best interest to learn as much as we can about leadership. And today i got a great guest to help us along that journey. He's Fred Swanaker. I came across Fred when I watched one of his TED Talks. He's a young serial entrepreneur. He's from Ghana, and he's very passionate about Africa and he believes that the missing ingredient on that continent is good leadership. I love how he flips it on his head because, you know, from my perspective, it just seems like such a place that's full of corruption and it can never be turned around. But Fred sees it a different way. And I love talking with him. You know, he has founded two organizations that aim to catalyze a new generation of ethical and entrepreneurial African leaders. And I love his dream. I love his vision. And I love his action. He's actually doing something about it. He has the African Leadership Academy and the African Leadership Network. You know, he was recognized and he was selected as one of 115 young leaders to meet President Obama at the first ever President's Forum for Young African Leaders. And he's been recognized as a young global leader by the World Economic Forum and was listed in Forbes magazine among one of the top young power men in Africa in 2011. He's also been recognized as one of the best emerging social entrepreneurs in the world and I love his enthusiasm, I love his optimism, and I love his passion. And I think you're really going to enjoy listening to Fred. So here's Fred Swanaker from the African Leadership Academy. I hope you enjoy it. Fred, so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. Thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure to be here. So we're talking to you from South Africa. I'm right here in the middle of the United States, so the wonders of technology. I was so excited to get you on the show because, man, you are... One of those leaders who's facing one of the, I think, one of the toughest challenges uh, that we're faced with. But you, you're all interested about developing the next generation of African leaders. Tell me a little bit more about uh, yourself and, and that passion, why you're excited about doing that. Certainly. Um, 
I was born in Ghana, uh, but I left Ghana at the age of four, and uh, every four years of my life, I moved to a new country in Africa. So um, by the time I was 18, I had really developed an identity uh, as an African, not just as a Ghanaian. And I'd come to see that we had so much potential in Africa, but um, everywhere I went, I realized that we were being held back by the quality of the leaders that we had. Right. And um, so as I, I went off to college in the U.S., uh, I went to McAllister College in Minnesota, and then um, I returned to back to Africa. I joined McKinsey and Company in Johannesburg, mm. and uh, they sent me to do more work across Africa. I went to work for them in Ghana, for them in Tanzania, for them in, in Nigeria. And uh, this, the more I, I lived and worked on the continent, this whole there was this recurring theme. Everywhere I went was just... We have, there was no reason for Africa to be poor. We had all these resources. We have all these people who are hardworking. But the one thing that was preventing us from achieving our potential was, you know, we just didn't have good enough leaders. So about 10 years ago, I decided that instead of just sitting back and hoping that this problem resolved itself, um, I thought, is there a way that I can actually play a role in helping to groom a whole new generation of leaders for Africa? And well, so that's what I've spent the last 10 years doing. Well, I love the optimism, but the, let me play devil's advocate. I mean, if from an outsider looking in, I look at it, and obviously uh, all the countries in Africa, the corruption is so – it was just been strife with it. You know, where is the optimism coming from? I love that. I'm excited about that. But then I look at the corruption that's that's not just in Africa but in every government, but, but all the 54 countries or, or plus that are in Africa, so many of them are corrupt. How do How do you even begin to tackle that? Well, I think first of all, it's um, it's it's a fallacy that every single African leader is corrupt. I would say that in most countries in Africa, the vast majority of the people who are in leadership positions um, are good, decent, hardworking people who are generally trying to do the best thing for the country. Right. The problem is one or two people who have managed to get into political leadership in certain countries are corrupt and those people can drag down everyone else because the power of just one leader in Africa, I believe is much greater than in other parts of the world because we don't have strong political institutions that can check the power of these leaders. And so it might be only 0.1% of the leaders in Africa who are corrupt, but because those leaders have so much power, it, it can really bring the whole country down. Right. So that's really, that's the nuance that I would add to that, to that picture. And so therefore, you know, given that uh, just one or two leaders can have such a massive impact in Africa, if we've had, the problem is that we've had leaders who haven't necessarily had the bad interest, the best interests of the continent at heart. So what this means is that if you can put in place good leaders who have good ethics and good values, you don't need that many to be able to, transform Africa. So the I, I hope I'm making sense. Yeah, of course it makes sense. I mean, I love that I love that idea and I love that you um of course, you know, the the old adage of, you know, a one bad apple can spoil the whole bunch. I you know, I like that. What we get fed over here in the United States though is that, you know, the corruption is is rampant everywhere. So it's encouraging for me to hear you say that hey, maybe it's just a, only a handful of few out of these seven that have been really bad, really the potential is there. And I think that's really what what you're getting at. The potential is there. And so what you're tapping into is let's find, let's go comb the continent. Let's find these potential leaders 
it's got to begin somewhere. And if we can put in, because as you said, if we can put in somebody that is has the moral backbone to do the right thing, we put them in there, it's going to be easy for us to turn this around because we don't have, as you said, um, kind of the political institutions like we have in the United States. It's so one leader can make a, a greater impact than 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 both good and bad is what you're saying. And so the idea exactly. is to, so the exactly. idea is one make, leader in Africa can have much more impact there than anywhere else in the world because you don't have these strong institutions. I mean, if you look at you know a leader in a in a more developed market country like Western Europe or in the USA, you have a 300 year old constitution, you have a judiciary, you have a Senate, you have a Congress, these are very, very strong institutions. And so, uh, you know, if a leader says they want to change a law, they just can't do that. If they say they want to, you know, be in power forever, they just can't do that because you have these strong institutions that will check their power. In Africa, you don't have these strong institutions. So therefore, just one leader has a disproportionate impact on society. Right. And so if you can put in place just a few good leaders in a, in, in a quick generation, you can transform the continent. Yeah. I like that. I mean, I, I think you're right. And I think, you know, one thing you got going for you, too, is to me, I think with, you know, obviously we're all caught up in the technology boom and everything else. It seems like Africa would be, um, if anything's going to turn it around or at least help turn it around, it's the advent of the technology. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think that, you know, Africa has many disadvantages. You know, it's one of the poorest continents in the world. You know, it's got lots of incidences of conflict and disease and so forth. But on the other hand, we also have, you know, several advantages in our, in our favor right now. We have uh, the benefit of developing after all the other parts of the world have developed. And therefore, we can skip a lot of stages and leapfrog um, in so many different technologies to allow us to develop much faster and much cheaper. Um, you know, and, and, and that's one thing that, uh, if we are careful and you can see that already, for example, with the advent of the mobile, mobile technology in the continent, uh, in just, in just 15 years, Africa went from having less than 400,000 phone lines to almost 700 million phone lines. Wow. And in a fraction of a cost and so much innovation in mobile money and, you know, um, and, 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 uh, and, and mobile insurance, all these different innovations, mobile banking, have happened in Africa. Uh, the same thing is, it can, is about to happen in education as well, because we can leapfrog. For example, the universities of the future are going to be born in Africa, not in the United States. Right. Because we don't, we don't have the legacy of 200-year-old institutions that we can't change. So talk to me a little more about the mission behind and the African Leadership Academy. I'm just fascinated by, um, I, I love the mission behind this, but tell, tell us a little bit more about that and maybe give us some um, some examples of success stories of what you see, um, maybe some rising stars, um, byproducts of the academy. Certainly. Um, you know, the, the mission of the African Leadership Academy really goes boils down to this concept that I was describing earlier, that just one or two leaders in Africa will make all the difference for the continent. So our goal is to scour the entire continent. Every year we go around and look for 100 of these leaders from four, all the 54 countries of Africa. We get about 4,000 applications from all around the continent, and then we take them through a very careful selection process, and we pick the 100 that we believe have the greatest potential to transform the continent. 
We then give them a, a world-class education in a two-year boarding school environment in South Africa, almost all of them for free of charge. And then we develop their leadership skills and their entrepreneurial skills, and then we help them get into colleges around the world. And they all sign a deal with us that they need to return to Africa by the age of 25 and stay for at least 10 years to serve the continent. Wow. And the philosophy there is that, you know, um, we believe that if you look at a lot of the leaders who changed the world, they started young. Right. Nelson, Nelson Mandela was, in his, was 21 when he started the ANC Youth League and began his, his campaign to transform, you know, South Africa. The, if you look at Bill Gates, he was 19 when he started Microsoft. Mark Zuckerberg, 19 when he started Facebook. The Google founders were 21. Steve Jobs was 19 when he started Apple. Richard Branson was 16. So there's nothing, I say that there's nothing special about the water in Silicon Valley that creates these leaders. Right. The only difference is that someone there takes a 16 or 17-year-old kid with an idea seriously, and the next thing a Facebook is born. And so those same leaders exist in Africa. And so our, the only difference is that no one has necessarily given them an, an opportunity to date. So what we're doing is going around and trying to find the next Nelson Mandela, the African Steve Jobs, the African Bill Gates, and we're saying, let's give them that opportunity, educate them, plug them into very powerful networks, and soon you're going to create people who will be able to transform entire nations and, in fact, the entire world. I love it. I love the optimism, and I think the other thing, too, is tapping into the optimistic nature of uh, the younger generation now, the millennial generation. I think that is another thing going for you as well, an advantage uh, that you're, you're capitalizing on. Um, Absolutely, and that's a very important advantage because almost everywhere in the world, populations are aging. Right. The only continent in the world where population is still young is Africa. So the average age of an African is 18, whereas the average age of a German or an Italian is 44 or 45, or Japanese. So if you think about um, the proportion of the societies you know, in, in, all, in, in developed world that needs to be supported by the working age, um, the proportion is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, more and more old people that need to be supported by fewer and fewer young people who are actually productive members of society. And so that's a, it's a downward spiral, and you're already seeing that with the Eurozone crisis, with the, with the anemic economy in the U.S. and in, and, 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 uh, and in, China, and in Japan and so forth. What we have in Africa is the opposite. We have young, hardworking, energetic people that, you know, and, and, and we'll soon, by 2030, we'll have the largest workforce in the world. So this, I see, is a tremendous opportunity for us to harness, if we can educate this population, develop the, and lead them properly, then we have this, we are really going to be the world's engine for economic growth. Yeah. You know, your, your curriculum is heavily, into, and what I love, is heavily um, kind of centered around entrepreneurship. Do you think... Um, the idea of free enterprise and entrepreneurship is something that's, um, is that a, a cultural challenge in Africa? I just, it seems so natural you know, coming from the United States, but is, how difficult is it to get people to think like an entrepreneur, I guess? Um, it's, uh, funny enough, I would say that most Africans um, have had to be entrepreneurial in some way sure. or another to, simply to survive. Right. Because there just are not enough jobs on the continent. And so, and even if those who have jobs um, are not necessarily 
being paid enough to survive on. So they have to have a second or third job on the side. And very often these are um, enterprises that they've created themselves. So I think that the, the, the energy and the entrepreneurial spirit is there across the continent. What doesn't exist, however, is um, the structures to allow this raw entrepreneurial energy to build into larger scale enterprises. So you have a lot of what I call subsistence entrepreneurs. Right. These are people who have started small ventures. They're maybe looking after themselves or one or two other people. But what we need to progress from is, you know, those more informal, raw entrepreneurial ventures into more formal, larger scale enterprises, which can attract venture capital investment that can eventually create not just jobs for two or three people, but jobs for a thousand people or a hundred thousand right. people. And that's when you really get the engines of economic growth going. And so that's what we're trying to, to do we're with, the, with the entrepreneurs at the academy that we're developing. We're trying to create people who are going to come up with world-changing innovations that will end up creating hundreds and thousands and eventually millions of jobs for people on the continent of Africa. I love that. It's good to, to, to note the difference. You're like, you're, you had right, sustenance, entrepreneurship. I'm doing this just to survive. But let's change the mindset to where, okay, let's start creating wealth, real wealth, and creating real jobs. So I think that's a... That's great. Hey, I, I just thought of something too. Like I'm wondering too, especially you know, coming from the perspective of the United States, and just you know, you, you, people always saying, "Hey, we got to you know, let's send this aid, let's send all these things." Like our government's always talking about sending more aid, more aid. I've kind of come. The more that I looked at this, do you think that that kind of giving of aid sometimes aids in that corruption? I mean, what 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 is your take on that? I mean, from an from an an, an American looking in, you think, "Oh yeah, let's let's provide let's support." But it's almost. I like- think it all it all boils down to uh, the quality of the political leadership and the strength of the institutions that exist in those countries. So, right. certain countries in Africa have good political institutions and uh, good ethical leaders. And so, if you send the aid to those countries, it typically does have good impact. Um, but even then. Uh, I look at all aid as really just a short-term fix. Right. Yeah, because if you look at people who are, you know, you're suffering from a war or they're suffering from famine, it's fine to send a few bags of, you know, of, of maize meal to feed those people. But they will never be able to feed themselves unless we create scientists uh, who come up with innovations that can allow us to improve our crop yield so that we can forever grow our own crops and we'll never go hungry again. You know, if you don't, if you send blankets for refugees of a political crisis or a war, they'll be able to, you know, be, be, be warm for six months, but they'll go, you know, unless you can create war, I mean, uh, political leaders who don't go to war in the first place, that cycle will never end. So what you have to do is look at um, not just giving short-term aid, but really investing in Africa. Right. investing in people so that they, we can solve our own problems, not just for the short term, but for the long term. And this is why I think that um, what Africa needs much, much more of than aid is this pure, hardcore investment capital, which is going into those African entrepreneurs who are emerging and have large ideas to, be, to, 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 to build and create jobs. Those are the people that we should be backing. And that then also bypasses any, you know, political corruption that could exist because it's going straight to the entrepreneurs who can use as capital exactly. and use it to bring um, innovations to market and to create jobs and, and drive down poverty. And that, I believe, is, is going to be a far better use of 
international resources than aid. I love it. Everything you're saying, it just warms my heart and it makes me uh, so excited for the future of what you're doing, especially with the, you know, how many leaders have you taken through the course now? 400 plus or what, what, how big is this getting? Thank you. Well, we have uh, over the last uh, 10 years since we began the journey, we've had about 20,000 applicants to the academy and we have selected 700 of them who are going through uh, the, the, the journey. And over a 50-year period, we expect to have created about 6,000 leaders uh, for Africa from the African Leadership Academy. But one thing that has um, that this idea has evolved into, which is uh, an extension um, or a sister institution that I'm now launching called African Leadership University. And the idea is really to take uh, some of the leadership training that we've been doing at the academy, the entrepreneurial ethos we've been developing in these young leaders, and do it at a much larger scale. Uh, and so over the next 50 years, we're going to be launching 25 brand new universities across Africa. Oh, great. And each campus will have 10,000 students. So the idea is that this system of universities will develop 3 million leaders for Africa over the next 50 years. And they will work together with the original 6,000 that are coming out of the academy into a very powerful force that can transform Africa. Oh, I love it. I love this vision. It's so exciting to, to see that you're actually doing something, putting something in place, making an impact. It's, it is exciting just to think about, you know, say a generation from now, 50 years, if you've got 6,000 leaders who've been infused with this kind of optimistic entrepreneurial outlook for Africa, think how different that continent's going to be. I mean, 6,000 leaders, but are not also supported by 3 million exactly. additional leaders from the university system that are all share the same common ethos around entrepreneurship and leadership and good governance and ethics. That's to me, I believe is going to be the most powerful force for transforming Africa. I think you're right. And you know, and, and, and the continent is so rich with all its self-sustaining resources. I mean, that's the thing that I think most people need to understand is the continent is rich to be self-sustaining in so many ways and to be a, a huge global, global player in the world. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people don't realize, especially when you're just getting sound bites over here about what Africa looks like. I mean, all you think about is, you know, Ebola and corruption and everything else. But the reality is it, it's, it's, a, it's a different picture. Exactly, exactly. I believe that Africa today is where China was 30 years ago. I think, it's yeah. the most exciting entrepreneurial opportunity of our generation. And those who get on the ground floor and invest on the continent and back some of these emerging young leaders, uh, some of whom we are creating at the African Leadership Academy and that will also be coming out of the African Leadership University. The people who get in now are going to make not just a lot of money, but also a lot of difference. Yeah. And that's what, that's, that's what I really like about doing work in Africa is that uh, you, you don't have to, um, you know, in other markets, you might have to have one side of your, of your life which is all focused on making money, and then you turn around and give that money away to charity to feel to, to feel like you're having an impact. In Africa, you can merge both. Right. The work that you do, even if it's making you money, will will ultimately be creating jobs, will be transforming lives, and so you can feel really good about anything that you invest in Africa. Oh, this is great. Who are your heroes? If you had a chance to invite five people to the ultimate dinner party, live or dead, who would those five people be? Uh, great question. Well, 
Uh, I would say definitely um, Nelson Mandela. Yeah, sure. Um, that goes without saying. You know, just he really embodies what just one leader can do. Right. Uh, to transform an entire country and entire nation. Um, I would also uh, invite uh, an innovator like Steve Jobs. Um, I, I, you know, I think that um, what you know, this single-minded focus on creating products that can really transform the way we live and work, uh, I think is, a, is, is, is something that uh, inspires me. I'd also bring Elon Musk Ooh, good uh, to the table. I love his unconventional way of thinking. Um, and I think that's the kind of, and, and also I like the fact that he's originally South African. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, that's the kind of thinking that I think we need to transform Africa. Uh, I'm also inspired by Mother Teresa. Oh, good choice. Um, yeah. And, uh, in terms of just her selfless way of giving back and really showing that leaders ultimately they're not to enrich and empower themselves, but really to serve others. Right. Um, and then, uh, Finally, I would also uh, bring someone like uh, the Archbishop Desmond Tutu, oh, no, um, yeah. who I think also really, um, or, or someone like the Dalai Lama, who both of them, to me, uh, embody good ethical leadership. Yeah, what a great choice. What a great list. I mean, you know, a combination of the, you know, the entrepreneurial, you know, reach for the stars innovation mindset and along with the spiritual mindset, the ethical side of leadership too what a great combination it says a lot about who you are fred so i think that's a, that's a, that's a great list wow. thank you well i hope i'll get to at least meet some of them in in my life sure <laughs> well how can people help out where can people get in touch with you find out more about you and uh and kind of help your cause well um they can go to our website africanleadershipacademy.org uh they can send me an email I have Swanika at AfricanLeadershipAcademy.org. Um, we're looking at, we're always looking for different ways for people to get involved. Um, we have uh, almost uh, 300 of our young leaders who are studying at various colleges in the United States. And so, you know, they often need support in terms of host families, for a place to go for Thanksgiving or Christmas. Um, you know, we, when, if people come and visit South Africa, we'd love to invite them to campus to come and see what we're doing, or sometimes to serve as guest speakers on our campus to inspire our young leaders. Um, we are looking for uh, folks to provide scholarships, funding, um, and other forms of financial support because 85% of our students who come to the African Leadership Academy come from disadvantaged backgrounds uh, and come on full scholarships. So we're always looking for folks to support those scholarships. Uh, and finally, you know, we're looking for uh, folks who can help with career opportunities to give uh, young leaders, mentorship, and uh, you know their first um, their first career opportunity, um, because we believe that uh, they need to a lot of them need to get work experience at least for a few years before they go off and you know enter politics or start their own ventures or you know whatever they want to do to 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 create change on the continent. So there are various ways that people can get involved, and and uh, you know we welcome all of those. Well, Fred, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'll have links to all these. Plus, I'll have a link to your TED Talk, which is a, a great source, too, for inspiration and information for, for all that we've talked about today. 
I can't say enough of what you're doing. I mean, you're one of the guys that's out there that's actually doing it. You're not talking about leadership. You're actually doing something and making an impact. And, and I applaud you on your vision and your mission. And uh, you always have a welcome home here at Dose of Leadership. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very, very much, Richard. I'm honored to be been there on your show, and I really appreciate all your support. All right, Fred, thanks. Well, one of the things that really jazzes me up about this show is meeting people like Fred. I mean, here's an example of a a man who's taking action. He's He has a vision, he has a dream, and he's he refuses to listen to the naysayers. And so I love his forward thinking, I love his vision, and I love, most importantly, that he's actually taking action. We can learn a lot from Fred. And uh, no matter what our visions, no matter our dream are, we can do something to start making a positive effect both in our personal lives, professional lives, and uh, those that are closest to us. We have much more influence than we give ourselves credit for, and that's my big takeaway from talking with Fred. So I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Fred. Again, drop me a line at richard at doseofleadership.com. Let me know what you think about this show. Let me know where you're at in your leadership journey. I'm always here to help. You can find out more information also at doseofleadership.com or richardryerson.com. You know, and if you haven't done so already, please subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher to the show. Uh, Leave a ranking, rating, and review at both of those places if you haven't done so. It only takes about five minutes, and it does so much for my visibility in those two places. Again, thanks so much for tuning into the show, and we'll see you next time. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.